0: Hello, darlings, and welcome to episode 24 of the Too Blessed to Be Stressed podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because I have such a beautiful guest to share with you all. Sarah Reese is a fully accredited cognitive behavioral therapist with a background in mental health nursing. She has over 20 years' experience of working in the field of mental health, helping people find lasting solutions. Sarah is also trained in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, as well as compassion focused therapy. She's passionate about creating and delivering modern mental health strategies and advice. Alongside her clinical work, which is currently taking place online, Sarah has created the CBT Journal, a self help tool to get people started with cognitive behavioural therapy and begin to develop awareness. In this episode, Sarah explains what cognitive behavioral therapy is and how it works. She talks about the type of conditions that are treated with cognitive behavioral therapy, particularly in women. Sarah and I discuss our journey with creating a journal and how journaling can help in processing our thoughts and emotions. And Sarah gives us some strategies that can better manage stress and anxiety in women. I'm such a big fan of cognitive behavioral therapy and have actually experienced it myself to help with my anxiety and stress-related behaviors. And I always say this, I'm forever grateful to my doctor for introducing me to CBT And I really am looking forward for you guys to know a little bit more about this amazing technique. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. And remember, life is for living, not for stressing. You are too blessed to be stressed. Hello, Sarah, and thank you so much for being on the Too Blessed to Be Stressed podcast. It's so great to have you on. Thank
1: you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our conversation
0: amazing so I've been asking all my guests what yeah. they've actually learned while being in isolation I know you're from the UK and yeah. isolation I think has been a lot different there than it has here in Australia so what were your main learnings during this time? I thought it was such a, a
1: good question I think and I think especially as in the UK um, I know it's different all over the world Was slowly starting to come out of isolation now so I think it's a really important time to reflect on what we've learned and and what we might want to take forward with us I think the main thing that I learned is that I had really overcomplicated my life and that it needs to be a lot more simple and straightforward so I was so busy and overwhelmed and I really kind of thought I had a balance and I probably didn't and it's only been paring everything back that actually I hope that I can go back into whatever normal is going to look like with a lot more balance i think i've i've realized that i need a lot more downtime that um i don't need to spend as much money as what i was doing <laughs> and I actually i wonder if i was spending more to kind of make the busy manageable you know kind of treating myself because i was overworking i don't know my credit cards had a nice holiday anyway wow. um i've I've learned how much I value my time with my friends and how much I adore my hairdresser. She's going to get a big gift when I see her next time. I can't wait. You and me, guys. I know, it's getting really bad. How great I am, I've learned that. And I think how much we've taken everything for granted, you know, everything has been so accessible. We can just pop here, there and everywhere. And I know it's not like that in many places in the world, but I think, you know, um, how much we've taken for granted has been an interesting thing to learn and also um, how resilient we are how much we can pivot and adapt to you know changes that happen that we're probably a lot more resilient than what we realize because if you would told me in February that in a couple of months I would take my whole business online um, I would have completely freaked out But we all did it and we did it very quickly. So I think we need pats on the backs for how resilient we've been.
0: I totally agree with you. I think I love what you touched on. It's definitely taught us to slow down a little bit. I think I've definitely learned to pause a little bit. Sometimes my life can be a little bit chaotic, but I feel really grounded and I feel like Mm. hopefully I can... I guess, stick with being able to be a lot more mindful than what I had been prior to COVID. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things that we need to hold on to when this pandemic passes.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's so fashionable to be busy and always on the go and doing, but actually we're not built for that. We're just not made for it. So I think it's been useful for a lot of people to reflect and, and slow
0: down. Absolutely. So let's get into the episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do, how you started your business and why you do what you do?
1: Okay, so my name's Sarah Reese. I'm based in the north of England in Cheshire, and I'm a cognitive behavioural therapist, so a CBT therapist. And I mainly work in private practice, seeing clients, and I'm fully obviously online at the moment. I also um, have a, a CBT journal, which is a self help tool which I provide on my website for people interested in CBT and therapy, but for those who might just want to know a little bit more and to think about if it's right for them and maybe try kind of some self-help things or creating awareness before they come into therapy because I think actually choosing a therapist and taking the leap into having therapy is such a you know brave thing to do and some people just want a bit more information before they get started. I also, it's been quite a journey setting up in private practice and I have a Facebook group called CBT in private practice which is for other therapists that are setting up private practices to support them and that's grown significantly over the last couple of years. My background is in um, mental health nursing so I've been in mental health for over 20 years Um, and mental health nursing, the kind of main treatment focus there was medication and while that was helpful for many people there's often lots of side effects with medication that can be unhelpful like putting on lots of weight and it was associated with increased diabetes and other health concerns so that probably pushed me more to thinking about what other what else is out there for helping people with their mental health and CBT has the best efficacy for lots of psychological problems and general kind of mental healthiness so that pushed me down to kind of wanting to be trained as a CBT therapist and um, I initially trained in the NHS and um, just in in the UK waiting times for um, CBT is about 12 to 18 months so you know people had waited a long time till they came to see me and um, they you know there was just so many it was a the NHS is a service in crises and it's a very difficult place to work in so I worked there as CBT therapist for a while but then decided that I wanted to work more creative creatively and that took me to kind of building my own business so i slowly, slowly initially started to do some private work on top of the nhs and then made the jump into private practice and um that was about 5 years ago now and i absolutely love it you know i really love what i do and i feel very lucky to be able to say that because i know not everybody enjoys enjoys their job it has given me um the space and you know to do things like this you wouldn't do this in a kind of if i had a normal job so so that's how I am where I
0: am. Amazing. And I know we spoke previously, I'm a massive mm-hmm. fan of cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah. I actually had it to treat my anxiety and that really worked for me. Um, and yeah. my GP was amazing in putting it forwards to me rather than, I guess, giving me a type of medication yeah. to help control my anxiety So I would really love for you to explain what cognitive behavioural therapy is, how it works, what's the basis behind it, even though I've gone through it myself and I've read so much about it, there's still little bits and pieces that, you know, you always want to learn about. So I would love if you could share that with the audience
1: of course so cognitive behavioral therapy it's very different from counseling and other forms of psychotherapy cognitive just means our thoughts behavioral just means what we do Um, so it's it's a therapy that's grounded in evidence which means that it's been really well researched so we know that it works um so they've the researchers have looked at all kind of anxiety and mood problems that people struggle with and tried different strategies and looked at what's worked. So we have protocols for different anxieties, and mood, OCD, and trauma. And we, as therapists, we follow the breast protocols to help people get better. It's a very practical form of therapy. um, And what you do in between sessions is very important. So you just spend an hour a week or an hour and a fortnight with your therapist. But what you do in between, is almost just as important. It's a very collaborative process. So the, a CBT therapist would be very active in treatment sessions and you'd work together because there's somebody struggling with anxiety. You have all your individual knowledge about what you're going through and the therapist has all the knowledge around kind of anxiety. And you bring those two kind of minds together to work an individual plan for you, for yourself so it's very goal focused there's lots of strategies and lots of problem solving it's a therapy that's mainly based in the here and now although i do believe our past can be very important and sometimes we need to go back a bit to see where we've come from and how we've arrived where we are so we can create a compassionate narrative for our experiences and CBT is basically all about patterns, how our thoughts impact what we do and how we feel and ultimately create the lives we live in and can kind of keep us caught in vicious cycles that can be unhelpful. And we live our lives a lot on automatic pilot. You know, how we cope and the things we do day to day might have been helpful at one time in our life, but we need to be constantly kind of um reflecting and thinking about where we are how we're thinking and what we're doing to kind of update our brain like you would a computer program in a in a sense so you work with your therapist to initially create awareness of your thoughts feelings and behaviors the vicious cycles you're in there's lots of education around different disorders as well so you get to understand your mind and your experiences And then you worked kind of either kind of to reverse the unhelpful cycles to kind of look at your thoughts. Are they distorted? What's the evidence for them? Can you you play around with having more cognitive, what we call cognitive flexibility, which is just kind of looking at things in a few more ways, just than the one automatic way that pops into your mind? And can you do things differently and people kind of practice doing things slightly differently and see what what happens so for for an example if um, somebody has social anxiety in a, in a social situation they might do things like a lot of avoidance not speaking keeping the head down not giving people eye contact so as a CBT therapist I'd be really helping people explore everything they're doing in that social situation <clears throat> and then looking at what what impact that's having on the social situation. So a lot of those behaviors would have a negative impact on the social situation. Like the other person you're talking to might think you're not interested or you're bored. So they will kind of be a bit fed up. And then you take that as evidence that you don't do well in social situations. So you can maintain this pattern. So I would help people kind of, we might um, decide that the person would go into social situations and give lots of eye contact to kind of, you know, be a lot more chatty to kind of instead of avoiding conversation going towards it more and you'd play around with that and seeing what impact that has and then it's through the kind of evidence of trying different things that people kind of change their behavior so if we change how we think it changes how we feel and what are what we do and then creates kind of hopefully more helpful ways of being and it impacts the lives that we we live in
0: Amazing. And I think our thoughts are everything. And once you get stuck in a particular pattern or thought cycle, it's very hard to stop it unless you have some intervention. And I feel like that was something that happened with me. I was always anxious and stressed about everything. And that just became my way of life. I wasn't actually processing what was actually going on. So I think that's where this type of therapy is just amazing.
1: Yeah, so you can have those feelings of anxiety and stress all the time, but you might, people often don't link it to, this is a result of the thoughts I'm having, you know, so a therapist will help you kind of uncover those thoughts. And then often how you're feeling makes perfect sense, because anybody would feel that way if they're having quite scary thoughts. And our brains can't pull apart imagination and reality. So if I ever thought, you know, every time I cross a road, if I ever thought I could get knocked over by a car, over time, I'd be really scared of crossing the road. It makes perfect sense. But, you know, we, we sometimes lose awareness of our minds. We, we're not that aware of our thoughts because of this automatic pilot we, we can get ourselves into. So, you know, therapy helps you become more aware of your mind. And then with awareness, you have choice to make helpful changes.
0: Absolutely. And what I guess types of conditions do you usually treat with cognitive behavioral therapy particularly in women
1: yeah it's it's really really broad um, but women often present with anxiety social anxiety self esteem issues a lot i see a lot of worry which is also called generalized anxiety and um, self criticism sometimes depression phobias post-traumatic stress or OCD so it's, it's hugely broad and I'm also seeing people now who just you know, might not say they have mental health problems. They just think they want to reach their potential or be the best version of them that they can be. And they they go to the gym regularly to work out their body and they kind of say, oh, I want a few sessions to kind of understand my mind a bit better and kind of create a bit more self-awareness. So, you know, as we kind of learn about different types of therapies, it's becoming more of an option for people, which is great because the mind has been neglected, I feel, and needs to take a bit more of a priority.
0: Absolutely. I think we're always so focused on our physical health yes, <laughs> that we forget yeah. about the emotional and mental well-being till something really bad happens and yes, we have an yeah. absolute breakdown, whether that's a health issue, whether it's a loss issue. Um, mm-hmm. I think we definitely need to pay more attention. And I think with everything that's happening with this pandemic, I feel like we're going to see a lot of mental health issues even though we're seeing them now, I think it might actually get a lot worse before it gets better.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think what's going on at the moment is that um, we have a part of our brain called the amygdala, which is like the threat system in our brain. Well, over since the beginning beginning of the year, all the news has been like, we're all going to get ill, we're all going to die. And that part, the amygdala in the brain is like a muscle. It gets toned up. So we get better and better at kind of becoming more focused on threat, focused on danger. And when the, we kind of this pandemic, hopefully touch water starts to come down and it starts to wheeze, your amygdala doesn't know that. So you end up with kind of an overactive threat system um, and that will create anxiety. So I often see people like, I will be expecting to see people in three to six months time saying, I did have a period of anxiety, but I still feel anxious now, even though everything's okay in my life. And it's because they've not put in place the things to kind of tone down that amygdala. So we need to be working on our threat systems because all of us have had a number of months of of very frightening news, being bombarded with frightening news. You know, we have access to some scary information 24 hours a day. It's terrifying. We're not built for it at all.
0: Absolutely. And I guess now I want to shift things a little bit. Mm. I love that we both have a journal. Um, Obviously yours is out, (laughs) mine is on its way still. Um, Yes, I'm so excited about it. I think I feel like this journal has taught me so much patience. I don't know whether it was (laughs) a similar thing for you, but just having the idea and really running with it and you know the whole thing of fixing things all the time was a big yeah. deal for me um i'm not sure whether you felt the same way
1: yeah see yeah it's been a huge process do you mean putting together the together the journal yeah 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 it it's been a, it, it was a huge process i think mine's been out about 3 or 4 years now but it took about a year to kind of get it together and get it ready but i think my Journey was similar to yours in that it was a kind of from a personal experience. Journaling helped me kind of get myself better after I was diagnosed with a thyroid condition. And while my GP helped me some of the way, I realised that I had to kind of increase my awareness of symptoms I was feeling, which with your thyroid it messes with everything, your emotional health, and. every part of your body aches and pains and chronic fatigue and all sorts. And it was through journaling that I created more awareness and I used the framework of CBT. So looking at my thoughts, feelings and behaviors, rating my mood and anxiety every day that um you know helped me kind of take better information to healthcare professionals to get the right kind of support and also um when i made changes like going to the gym you know i could see the evidence that that would make me feel better although i was looking for the evidence of a glass of wine and a piece of chocolate on the sofa (laughs) you know (laughs) unfortunately you know when you write it down you can't ignore it you can't you know And I do love exercising now, but I wasn't a natural kind of one for the gym. So, you know, when you make changes in your life, if you're journaling about them, you can follow the kind of improvements and you can kind of see how far you've come, the changes you made. I think that's so kind of useful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And mine was a little bit the same. I became really unwell and journaling um, literally saved my life. And I remember just walking to my part-time job one day and I was like oh my goodness this has been in front of me the whole time I'm going to create a journal (laughs) and I was like yep there's no stopping me I'm just going to do it so um, it's all very exciting but how important do you think journaling is in processing thoughts and emotions in people
1: I think it's hugely important. I think when things are just playing around and going in our ma- around in our mind they can get they can get quite distorted depending on how you're feeling and when you get them out of your mind down on paper you know the first thing you're doing is getting a bit of distance from those thoughts and with this with that distance you can get more objectivity more clarity it can help increase your cognitive flexibility so you can kind of have um just more flexible in how you're thinking you can start to analyze and reflect and once it's out of your mind sometimes people are ruminating or going over things as a way of trying to remember them but when you can put it down on paper you can almost shut the book on it a little bit and that help you help yourself have a break from it i think so we know that when we hold things in it creates stress in our body there was a really interesting i don't know if you're aware of the work of james penbaker i am yeah yes yeah he does some great work but he just he talks about an interesting experiment where there was people um taking lie detector tests and um if they um kind of hold a secret like they'd committed a crime even though they were going to go to prison when they kind of said it out loud their stress levels reduced they could see that on the Mm. machine they were using so we know that releasing information sharing information not keeping secrets letting emotions out reduces stress on our body and has a huge impact not just on our emotional brains but on our physical health as well it's actually not good for our stress levels to, to hold stuff in we need to be releasing processing stuff hugely important for our well-being in general
0: yeah and you always just know like whenever you stress about something you hold all this tension and as soon as it's out you're like oh my goodness I feel alive again I feel vibrant again yes
1: yeah it's something to do as well isn't it because often problems that are arising day to day we can't do something about it in the here and now but it's a really practical thing to do isn't it journaling getting it out and sometimes having a good a rant is very important and sometimes it can be you know hugely therapeutic when you're working through emotions and helping you to make sense of what's going on
0: for you Absolutely. And what are some of the strategies that you would recommend to women um, in order to manage their stress and anxiety a little bit better?
1: Well, I think, you know, the the first things I'd say is is start journaling about it, what we're doing in therapy. And, you know, I think a journal is kind of like you could see it as a therapist that's there for you 24 hours a day. It's always available where um, therapists are just with you an hour a week. So, you know, when you are in therapy or when you're journaling, the the aim is to create awareness of your mind. And when you want to manage stress or anxiety, becoming more aware of what's going on is hugely important because then you can address distorted thoughts or kind of change, um, maybe unhelpful behaviors. But with anxiety, often we try and think our way out of it. And it's that thought process that's really unhelpful. Because if you're anxious, your anxiety is about a threat. Um, So we're built to do something about our threats. But in this day and age, often our threats aren't um, predators about to kill us. They're kind of unpaid bills or, you know, maybe job insecurity. So we have that anxiety and it propels us into overthinking but our thinking is then distorted by the anxiety so thinking can be really unhelpful when you're stressed and anxious and actually what you need to do is come more into the body notice where you feel it in your body and your physiology practice allow allowing the feeling accepting it you know Because they say what we resist persists, so it gets more difficult. If we don't want to feel stress and anxiety, we almost add another layer of suffering onto it and it becomes more tricky. And anxiety and stress is our blood pressure being high. So instead of trying to think our way out of it, you want to kind of manage it from physiology. Physiological perspective, and bringing your blood pressure down, so mindfulness is really helpful, really keeping on top of your basics, like exercise you know and really good diets, being very connected with with people is important. trying to be aware of your thoughts, thinking are they facts or not? you know a lot of what causes us stress and anxiety is that our thinking is hypothetical it's not happened it's very future based it's not in the here and now and you know and when it's hypothetical thinking we can't do anything about it we don't know if it's and often it never happens so a lot of the anxiety is not factual based so really keeping things in the here and now is useful trying to get as much flexibility in your thinking as you can you know, if you have one thought, it's useful to think about another three ways you could think about that to give yourself more perspective. Asking yourself what would you say to a friend in this situation can be really helpful as well. So there's, there's such it's such um, a broad way you can help yourself. You know, the, I think the key thing to know is that anxiety and stress is really treatable. We don't need to live feeling anxious and on edge we can do something about
0: it and that's the important thing to to keep in mind absolutely and i think I guess, from experience, sometimes we think so far ahead that we create that stress for ourselves and that stress physically isn't there because it hasn't even happened yet. But our mind just races and we just can't stop it from racing. So um, I love that you touched on that. And all that information was so insightful, Sarah. So thank you so much pleasure pleasure Mm -hmm. and how can people find you tell us a little bit what your business office are where people can connect with you if they want to know a little bit more about your journal and cognitive behavioral therapy Um, I think my website is
1: the best place there's I've been um, writing about journaling mental health um, and different types of therapy for a long time now so there's lots of blogs on there and there's a podcast and if you're interested in kind of some of the things I've talked about today there's um, a free guide to building emotional resilience I go through some kind of tips in there so that's you that you can download that from my home page and that's free to download and my website is sarahdreese.co.uk I'm also on Instagram but I think if you go to my website you can find all my social media handles and everything there so sarahdreese.co.uk
0: Amazing, thank you so much for your time and your amazing knowledge, you are just incredible so thank you so much Thank you so much for having me (laughs) Please look after yourself, stay safe and hopefully some of the listeners reach out to you because you do some amazing work
1: thank you so much thank you take care. Bye. Take
0: bye care. bye bye thank you so much for tuning in today if you have loved and enjoyed today's podcast then please share it with your friends and family if you have any comments or would like to reach out you can find me on instagram at knowing her wellness See you soon for the next episode of Too Blessed To Be Stressed.